What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Season 2 of Parklandia. We decided to start things off with a bang for this season. And by bang, I mean a loud, thunderous, deafening bang. A bang so loud that we wound up calling 911. Literally <laughs> calling 911. <laughs> we, we really did. Today we're kicking off our second season with an episode on Cumberland Island National Seashore in southeastern Georgia. It's our first episode about a national seashore, in fact. Yeah, it is. And our first episode where we called 911. So a lot to look forward to this episode and this season. Um, of course, our 911 call was... Uh, frivolous because we are 45 minutes from the mainland on an island only accessible by ferry. And of course, there's no service. But, so we were trapped. Yeah. Cumberland Island isn't actually as terrifying as it may seem, though. Yeah, not really. Uh, we just, I guess, had a unfortunate, terrifying little afternoon. Um, but we're here today talking about it. So clearly everything worked out just fine. It did get a little dicey there for a while. We will say that. Yeah, I remember thinking while we were caught in that lightning storm on the beach that this would make for a great episode one day. A <laughs> yeah. terrific episode. Yeah, true. I love that you were thinking about that while I was mostly just distracted and focused on not getting struck by lightning. But you're right. That experience did make for great fodder for an episode. And I'm really super excited to recount the craziest day we've ever experienced in a national park. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. We packed up our stuff in Chicago, sold our loft, and now we're traveling the country with our dog, Finn, in an RV, visiting America's national parks. <coughs> Today, we're talking about Cumberland Island National Seashore in Georgia. Yeah, so clearly, things got pretty dramatic and crazy on Cumberland Island. But our day in the park wasn't all terror. It was... Only about a 15 to like 25 minute spam of this stormy mm -hmm. weather. And besides this, we really had a great time on this barrier island of Georgia's southwestern coast. Yeah, we don't want to like make this 15 minute period like this dark mark in the whole day or the whole park by any means. But it, it was an epic experience and mostly really positive and wonderful. 
Carmelin Island was beautiful and truly unique among all the national park sites we've visited so far. So let's start with a little bit of background with what led us to Carmelin Island in the first place. Getting there. Right? We're actually uh, making our way down to Florida after wrapping up recording season one of Parklandia Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. And we had a bit of time before we needed to be in Orlando, so we wanted to explore more of Georgia. Yeah, we really didn't do a lot of that. We'd been to Atlanta a few times and little pockets here and there, but we were excited to see more of the state. And we started with a couple days in Savannah, which was gorgeous, and I think a huge bucket list city for both of us. So... That was awesome. And then from there, we visited Fort Pulaski National Monument, which you'll hear about on a future episode, I'm sure. Definitely, definitely. And our big uh, side trip was this one to Cumberland Island. And we say big because it requires so much more planning than any typical national park, especially ones in this part of the country. Yeah, exactly. So any park that's entirely an island off the mainland is bound to require some extensive planning, especially if you have an RV and especially if you have a dog in the RV like we do. So it required some extra logistics, and we needed to figure out how we would handle that, where we could park, where we could camp, and then, of course, time it all out so that we could catch the ferry for the day as well. So there's a lot of things to maneuver and juggle, but it is it honestly is really well well worth it. Yeah, initially we were going to skip that because, like, it was just Mm -hmm. we were on such a time crunch and then going on to an island, which takes a ferry or just a boat with people or anything like that was just a little— too much, but I'm really glad that we decided to do this. Yeah, it was a little intimidating because I remember when we're initially researching it and looking on their website and it had all this information about like these extra steps you had to take and what to be prepared for in terms of timing and ferry schedules and stuff like that. And since we were kind of hustling down Georgia into Florida, I'm like, I don't know if we can do it. I think we should maybe just do something easier and more straightforward. But as with most things, when you invest the extra energy and effort, it pays off. It really should, does. That extra it. effort like makes a huge, huge yeah. difference. And we had such an epic time here. So it all worked out. We were able to time it so that we could drive down from Savannah early enough in the morning to park our RV at a KOA campground nearby. That way, we didn't have to worry about it or, like, leave it parked somewhere precarious. We could just settle for the day, and Finn is comfortable and set with food and water and AC and and so forth. Then what we did from there was we just called a lift to the campground and drove to Cumberland Island's headquarters in a town called St. Mary's. And it was very doable. The drive was, like, 25 minutes. The driver was really charismatic and talking about breakfast foods and stuff Which is my favorite. He was like, these are the diners to go to, and you know I love diners. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. He, I know. He was barking up the right tree, that's for sure. We had no time. We were just like, we're, we're not going to be able to eat at this restaurants, but duly noted. Yeah, but St. Mary's, that was such a like little, really quaint town. Um, it was still recovering from damage done by Hurricane Irma, so large parts of the roads were under construction, and some of the businesses were still closed, and there were still plenty of charming little restaurants and shops to explore, plus the main visitor center. Yeah, it was, it was cute. It was very clearly, like, damaged and still recovering, which was unsettling and sad. But, you know, we were able to, like, wander through and make the most of it. There isn't much to do because of that on the mainland in terms of the park. Most of that is on the island. Um, but per usual, the National Park Service really delivers with another fantastic visitor center here on the mainland. It's in this really pretty pastel-colored building, and you go, you have to go here anyway to check in for your ferry reservations. So once you do that and you get your tickets, we highly recommend perusing the exhibits 
and just kind of drinking it in. And it, it's a good primer. You kind of get ready and learn about what to expect, what you could potentially see. And then the like island ecology, wildlife, the human history on the island, all the way from native, native peoples to the Carnegies, who seem to have used Cumberland Island the same way that Great Gatsby used Long Island. So that was it, that was insane. I had no idea of like the mark that they made on Cumberland Island. Yeah, that little like incredible museum has mm. hundreds of years worth of history, ranging from the native uh, Timokwin, uh, Tim right. Oquin, uh culture in the 1500s to the colonial period to the plantation slavery era to world uh, the War of like 1812. Yeah, there's a lot there, which is kind of mind-boggling for such a you know relatively smallish island. It's an, it's not like tiny by any means, but like. They really um, pack it all in there. And there's a lot to take in because of it. This area has gone through a ton of change and a ton of history. And as always, the best way to take it all in is by immersing yourself in that environment and seeing it for yourself, which is why you got to book ferry tickets and explore the island. That's requisite, of course. Yeah, as we mentioned, the only way to get to the park itself is uh, the actual island is by ferry, Mm -hmm. uh, which departs from a nearby dock. But like because there was construction, we had to like walk all the way around like half the town, which was cute. And it was a fun little stroll. But um, there are very clear directions from the visitor center to where you have to walk to to get there. And this will take you out to Cumberland Island, which is the largest uh, southernmost barrier island in Georgia. Um, it's mm-hmm. also the most biodiverse in all of Georgia's islands um, because there's like, I want to say there was 20 different like ecological areas. It's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of diversity out there and uh, just all stunning. And again, they really, it's It was a incredible. sight to see. Yeah, it was a sight to see. And like we only saw like a sliver of it, like when you think about it. Yeah, but because we, we were terrified for our yeah, lives right. halfway we through. <laughs> basically sprinting off the island and diving onto the ferry by the end of the day. But Lots of history, lots of that. culture. And yeah. I mean, it's. I, I want to go back. I do too, yeah. And hopefully we'll luck out better with the weather. But Carmelin Island was established as a national seashore in 1972 and gets about 40,000 annual visitors, which doesn't sound like a lot, but seating on the ferry is super limited. And the National Park Service only allows 300 people on the island at a time. So it's highly advised that you make advanced reservations, which we did. Although I would say, like, advanced reservations are suggested, but it's not something that you should worry too much about. I think we booked them, like, a day in advance, so nothing too Yeah, but crazy. then, like, if it's, like, peak season, you, know, sure. you want to make sure that you have those. You know, like, better safe than sorry. We start. weren't there in peak, like, camping season. We were no. kind of just after. Right. Yeah, there was a couple of campers on our ferry who were planning to spend a few days out there, I think. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that that was not the the prime time for that. And then once you have your tickets booked, be sure and arrive at least one hour before your scheduled departure time so that you have time to orient yourself and such. Because it could be potentially confusing. Like, we, we wound up being fine and pretty straightforward ultimately, but, like, there's all these extra steps and you have to like follow the signs to the dock and collect your tickets and potentially park if you drove. So it, it's nice to ha- allot some extra time so that you're not like scurrying through in a panic that you're going to miss the boat or anything like that. Yeah. And most of the year, the ferry departs like twice a day, once in the morning, and then it makes a return trip three times a day from mid-morning through late afternoon. Um, in the winter, ferry trips are limited to two departures and two returns. But they give you enough options to take out, like, you know, 
at least to have a couple hours on the island. Yeah, which is really awesome. And you can actually do and see a lot in that span of time. Of course, like we mentioned, you could camp on the island. That's allowed. You just got to make reservations for that specifically and have a permit. Yes. And also remember some essentials for your trip uh, on the island, especially water, food, sunscreen, Mm -hmm. protection from rain, uh, things like that, because it's really important to stay dry when you're camping. Uh, But those are a whole like camping 101 essentials. (laughs) That's a whole discussion of its own. But uh, right. you could purchase a lot of uh, items on the ferry or just some, but it's really yeah. limited. Yeah, they had a pretty limited selection, to say the least. I think we just got, like, some extra water just in case and then maybe some, like, jerky, beef jerky snack of some sort. So, like, you know, slim pickings, but Yeah, and you whatever. definitely want to bring, like, a change of clothes and, like, your bathing suits are a really good idea since swimming is on the island is so much fun and so beautiful. Oh, yeah, so much fun. And the water's so warm and pristine and the beaches are lovely. But also remember to flee the water if a lightning storm rolls in abruptly. More on that later. You know it's coming. <laughs> and you know what else is coming? Details on our arrival to uh, Cumberland Island right after this quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And today we're talking about Cumberland Island National Seashore in Georgia. Island. So, starting our trip out to the island, the ferry ride to Cumberland Island takes about 45 minutes. It's a pretty no-fills ferry with just this top deck and then a bunch of inside seating with tables and benches and stuff like that. 
and it gets the job done. Nothing fancy, but you know, yeah, it's but a brief it ride. Drops you right off at the Sea Camp dock on the southern portion of the island. Um, by far, mo- the most popular and most visited section of Kambalana. For sure, because it's so walkable and accessible. You can also bike. You can. That's, it seems like it's a popular mm. area for biking. And this is where most people stay when they visit because of all this. And it's super easy to explore. And then also it's really loaded with some of the island's most iconic sites. Yeah, the things like immediately got off with a wet start for us because soon after we docked, it started to like downpour. And so we're like running and trying to get under into dry areas and wait for this rain. But it was beautiful. Like, I mean, it felt like I was jumping right into like a movie. Yeah, it felt like a rainforest or something because it was literally raining like torrentially. And neither of us were really expecting this. The forecast for the day did not show that that was likely to happen at all. And then when we're on the dock on the mainland, the park service ranger was saying, she was like, nothing to worry about. It's not supposed to rain today. If it does, it'll be like a drizzle. Yeah. (laughs) And then as soon as we like pull up to the dock on Cumberland Island, it's immediate downpour. So we're like, we're not, we don't have the equipment for this. (laughs) No, no. It was definitely some like... Ominous foreshadowing. It was ominous foreshadowing for sure, I think. And super frustrating because the forecast, like we said, didn't call for that. So we didn't have like rain jackets or umbrellas or the proper footwear, really. So considering I think we both look like John Rats at the end of the day, I'd say drizzle wound up being a serious understatement. Yeah, normally this is the part of the episode where I'd tell Matt that he's being dramatic, but Cumberland Island is (laughs) the one place that actually lived up to the drama. Yeah, definitely. And you might say Cumberland Island and I are both drama queens in this instance, which now that I think about it, it's kind of alarming because I think Cumberland Island might be my spirit park, whether I want it Mm. to be or not. I think it might. Yeah, you know, whether you like, yeah. yeah, definitely whether you want it or not. I know I can't. I can't it choose definitely it. Is. It's just me. Yeah, because <laughs> um, it, it, it was a super aggressive part, like so pretty, but the weather was aggressive, the landscaping was aggressive, and just like a lot, it was overwhelming, but ultimately still very pretty. So. For that alone, I'll accept the spirit park thing because, you know, that's what matters. Absolutely. But yeah. anyway, let's um, talk about how we decide to make a run through mm-hmm. the downpour to get off the boat and into the little cottage. Yeah, we're kind of out of options. Yeah. Like, we decided to eat our lunch there because we're like, well, we want to stay dry-ish because yeah. we were already a little too wet. And, you know, we were just hanging out under there and... It's like right now, like the people are getting checked in for like their camping, the people that were like also on this ferry. And like, I felt like it was like the beginning of like a clue game. Like, oh, yeah. You know, this like whole just, cast of characters. Yeah, this whole cast of characters, and you're like building it out, and just like, you're like, this is going to be a really dramatic day. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. <laughs> and we're all in this together for sure. And yeah, so we just had to huddle underneath that like overhang at that little cabin. And I think we both wanted to eat our sandwiches because they were in the backpack, the potential to get wet. I didn't want to have like a mushy no, like that'd be nasty. PB&J soup or whatever later. Yeah, and there wasn't a bunch of food on the island. It's not nope. like there's a restaurant there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So we just did it and then waited. And then fortunately, the sun came out pretty quickly and we were able to get started. But again, like this, th- this weather was so erratic and I feel like the sunshine was ultimately really misleading. Because I felt, looking back, I felt like it almost lured us into this false sense of safety. 
That is hitting the, like, that's right at, like, you hit it right on the head there. Lured us right in. Super misleading. Yeah, and it was stunning just long enough to, like, ultimately screw us over later. Trails. We embarked on this trail called the South End Loop Trail, which is about 4.3 miles. It goes right from the Sea Camp main dock here, and then we started heading south. And then goes east to the coast, to like the ocean, and then forms a big loop, which is beautiful and amazing. And there's so much you see along the way. Um, Just keep your fingers crossed that the weather doesn't um, take a drastic turn. Yeah, no, because it will again later. You know, again, setting this for like that clue theme. It's like, okay, it's Uh, all downpouring and then it's beautiful. And you're like, okay, we're going. We're going to do this. It's going to mm-hmm. be really fun. And then you're just waiting for the next, like, dramatic turn to come. Oh, and it uh, came. But I'm really glad we got to do this trail and see through it to the end. Because Same. it's absolutely beautiful and stunning and diverse. There's so many different sections and environments you walk through along the way from the dense, like, maritime forest that actually look like actual rainforest to old, yeah. like, castle ruins, to sandy beach dunes and beaches and pathways lined with, like, Spanish moss. It's just oh, yeah. a gorgeous, stunning. There's a lot to take in. It's it's really gorgeous. And Spanish moss trees, by the way, are, I think, my favorite trees. I got swept up in them when we were in Savannah, Georgia, which is, like, Spanish moss heaven. They're just so moody-looking, and especially when the sun is kind of, like, trickling through. It's great. And also, like, it kind of speaks to, like, why Kremlin Island might be my spirit park because— I'm also a very moody person, so these moody trees. And they make moody for like really great photos, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, just like you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I got some nice photos of you actually wandering through the Spanish moss. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Even the ones like coming out of the storm. Like, yeah, but, for but sure. We'll, I'll have to talk more on that later. Yeah, yeah. Freshly <laughs> glazed with um, rainwater. It was, it was really lovely after the fact, actually. But, yeah, so the South End Loop Trail was sensational and totally worth all the drama that we wound up, like, er, surrounded by. So when we were leaving south from the sea camp, the trail weaves through some, like, dark forest and along the western shore of the island. The landscape is just so vivid and so green. It's incredibly lush. Mm -hmm. And that sun isn't too bright because basically the trees are, like, tall enough to block out most of the direct rays. Um, And it's just so perfect. I know. It felt like it was almost glowing, like the forest was glowing because of like this halo effect from the sun above the tree line. And it's really ideal. The temperature was great. This portion of the day was great. And this part of the trail is also where you and I got into a a very serious conversation about me starting to write like murder mystery novels that take place in different natural settings like this. Because I I really just want to be the modern day Agatha Christie, I think. That's what I'm realizing. How <laughs> full circle is it that we're referencing Agatha Christie on episode one of season two, since we also mentioned her on episode one of season one? I mean, yeah. in our Cuyahoga Valley episode. On the murder mystery I mean, train. That's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's well, foreshadowing. It's like getting the game back together. It's like Parklandia season two. It's you, me, Finn, Agatha Christie. Yeah. Gang's all here. Yeah. <laughs> we're all here. Yes. That just that's like the vibe that I think I was I was feeling. Yeah, I mean, it was totally that. felt like the type of place for a murder mystery because, mm-hmm. like, even more than the murder mystery train ride in Cuyahoga Valley, like, I just love seeing the runes 
And then I just yeah. imagine like ghost building the walls, like, you know, like, a, uh, and then like people walking around, like as I was walking through this, I was imagining what it would look like in a movie or in a murder yes. mystery-esque environment. It's it very cinematic. Very, very cinematic. The whole place is surreal, super inspiring. Yeah, for sure. And like you, cause you mentioned earlier when like we're all like gathering off of the boat underneath the cabin for to get out of the rain, it felt like the cast of characters, like a clue thing or whatever. And yeah. so that kind of, that's what also triggered this idea. It was like, oh, there's like, I don't know, 10 random strangers on, on this island. Like, yeah, there was a know, group of like four or five friends camping. There was a couple, there was us, another couple. Mm-hmm. There was like a solo person. The solo person is got to work out. Yeah. You look out for them. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. So Carmelin Island would really be a prime setting for something like this, like this juicy whodunit, except the culprit, I think, would inevitably turn out to just be lightning. So kind of anticlimactic, but yeah, case closed. It's especially perfect because this island and this trail actually has remnants of like an old mansion, like I was talking about. And it's like when you think about the lightning and I mean, it's just it was it was right. perfect. Like I cannot explain enough that it's like the perfect murder mystery scene. Yeah, I know, because of course it has the remnants of an old mansion. Why not? And this place is called Dungeness, or Dungeness. I'm like, it's like the crab. And nowadays, it's just ruins from the old Carnegie Dungeness mansion, and it's surrounded by these gardens, plus, fittingly and creepily enough, also a cemetery, because again, of course. Yeah, it has serious, like, great Gatsby vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a post-apocalyptic Gatsby mansion, I think, where... The humans are long gone, and all that's left are these ruins and then, weirdly, wild horses, too. Ooh, like, yeah. Okay. Surprisingly, some of the only wildlife we noticed on the island was that pack mm-hmm. of wild horses uh, behind the mansion. So, so random that the horses are on this island. Yeah, very random. And they were just, like, convened in this big group behind the mansion as we were walking by. They looked like a, like a gang. Yeah. Like a posse. And there were um, murderous horses. Yeah, probably. I think they're prime suspects in, in the murder mystery, too. I'm very suspicious of them. History. Yeah, we could actually probably spend a whole episode talking about the Dungeness yeah. area uh, because it's crazy and there's just a lot here to unpack. Um, the mansion itself was designated as a National Historic District in 1982, not long after Cumberland Island National Seashore's des- designation. Yes, we could easily just like do a whole episode because it's, like you said, it's so fascinating and insane. But I think we can also like keep it brief and, and sum it up for you. So Dungeness was first built by this man, James Oglethorpe in 1736 as this kind of like grandiose hunting lodge. And he named it after Dungeness in England. And like I said, not the crab, like I initially assumed, which is good because I actually hate Dungeness crabs. They're like, I don't, there's not a lot of food I hate, but weirdly Dungeness crab is one of them. Yeah. I got super sick off of like Dungeness crab cakes like a few years ago and I'll never... You'll never, never get over that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The next person to gain ownership, though, of Dungeness was uh, Nathaniel Green and his wife, Catherine. Um, they actually had the four, four story mansion added, you know, just super casual. Right. Because the one mansion wasn't enough. So let's just add another four story house. Then, yeah, right. Then during the War of 1812, British soldiers occupied the mansion and used it as their headquarters, which seems oddly lavish for. Like soldiers. 
And if all that wasn't crazy enough, the mansion was then occupied by Henry Lee, the father of Robert E. Lee, who stayed here until he died in 1818 and was buried in the cemetery out back. Again, staging for a perfect murder mystery, like ghost reunion, like. Yeah. Sorry. It's like years and years Getting of really intense like this. crazy occupants and like wild horses and like intense weather. It's, I don't know what's going on here, but it's, it's ominous to say the least. And after all this, the mansion actually wound up burning in a fire in 1866. Again, a little bit of foreshadowing or, or something. But then Thomas M. Carnegie bought the property in the 1880s and he built a new mansion as a winter home primarily kind of like a fancy phoenix rising from the ashes, I guess. And the new Dungeness 2.0 had 59 rooms. So I think it's basically like the Biltmore Mansion of Cumberland Island. Ooh, and Carnegie's uh, wife, Lucy, who continued to live on the island long after her husband's death, had other properties built on the island for her children, like the Plum Orchard for George Carnegie and Grayfield for Margaret Carnegie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is like, how sweet. What What a, like relatable birthday gift. Like for me, like I, I get like Starbucks gift cards, but for the Carnegies, they get their own mansions, which is so relatable. They're like very the relatable. Hiltons. Yeah. Yeah. So relatable. But this is like the new dungeon is, uh, it actually burned down as well oh in gosh. 1959. Fireproof that. Yeah. And this time it was suspected to be an act of arson. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> I don't gasp in real life a lot, but this is like the part of the episode where a gasping sound effect would be well-placed or just me, you know, literally gasping. Because <laughs> didn't we tell you this place had like actual murder mystery vibes written all over it? And then, you know, you throw in the, these like wild horses and this legacy of like Henry Lee and soldiers and like arson, which is at this point, it looks like the horses may have done these pyromaniac horses. Yeah, today the place looks like a haunted house. It's just falling yeah. apart, and it's in rubbles, but it's just so mm-hmm. beautiful. I know, it's wild. It's got these really intimidating main gates, and then just huge, decrepit remnants of brick and stone walls that are mostly kind of falling apart. It reminded me, actually, of the Haunting of Hill House book and now Netflix show that I am obsessed with. It had that look, except like more decrepit, I guess. But the same, like, kind of vibe and size and dark, like, motif. Yeah, and in case you thought you couldn't get more possibly dramatic than Dungeness, stay tuned and hear more about this epic island after this break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And today's episode is about Cumberland Island National Seashore in Georgia. Beach. So continuing on our loop trail on the island, we are leaving from Dungeness. And the trail from there turns east and it takes you across to the beach portion of the island through these Spanish moss trees that we talked about and then past some marshland and then eventually through some dunes to get to some of the prettiest, prettiest beach landscape I think we've ever seen. Yeah, it's so peaceful there. I mean, Cumberland mm-hmm. Island has 17 miles of uninterrupted beach with no structures of any kind, and it's so pure, so natural. Mm-hmm. And when we were there, we were like literally only saw one other couple in the distance. In the distance. Yes, I know. They were... <laughs> um, but other than that, it was just us, the ocean, mm-hmm. and a bunch of birds, but... They minded their own business, and we just swam. Yeah, I know. It really was really, really nice and perfect and serene. And this was the part of the trip I think I was most looking forward to. We just dropped our stuff, put a couple towels down, and then pretty much just ran right into the water, which was so warm and comfortable. It was I had the no problem perfect <laughs> place to swim and float. Like, yeah. I mean, just enjoy these, like, gentle waves. I mean... <sighs> I just were, yeah. really loved it. I mean, we had to like be mindful of the tides and the fact that you're in the wilderness. Mm. So, like, there are animals like sea turtles and sharks to exist. True. They are, I mean, this is a wild open, I mean, this is the ocean, so you never know. But as long as you're not reckless, you'll be fine. Especially, I think the, the greatest thing to be wary of is the tide. And when we went, it was low tide. It was, the waves were pretty docile. And it it wound up just being perfect. I think really the thing is the main worry here is you have a greater chance of being struck by lightning than being bit by a shark. And we can personally attest to that. I mean, we weren't struck by lightning. but too real right now. Too real. Right. So while we're out here swimming, having a peaceful, calm little afternoon, it all came to a screeching halt when I saw these terrifyingly dark clouds start to quickly roll in. I remember looking at you, bobbing in the water, looking at you, and my heart's starting to race. And I say, like, are those clouds coming this way? I don't remember seeing those five Yeah, for some, like, no, it's not that big of a deal. But then it, like, quickly became clear that they were um, since yeah. they were moving, like, so fast. I mean, the other couple on the beach had left, so it was just us. Right. And they were, like, my safety blanket. Like, I was looking at them, like, as long as they're here, we're fine. And then all of a sudden they're gone. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Things were starting to get scary. And... 
legitimately very dark, which was like the most terrifying thing. It's like these clouds are, it's like nighttime dark. Well, not, you know, the clouds are really dark. And we got out of the water, collected our things and started to speed walk up the beach with the intent to complete the loop trail, knowing that at some point ahead, the trail would reconnect and we'd be able to cross back west across the island towards the docks. Yeah, and then I like the rain was starting to like fall harder and harder until it was like a torrential downpour, mm-hmm. and I was worried because I had like my backpack with my laptop in it. Right, like, who brings a laptop to an island? Yeah. I don't know. What were you thinking? What was I thinking? Like yeah. I bring a GoPro, not a laptop. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, but I mean, this rain was just heavy, heavy, it heavy was. as the clouds were like closing in behind us, <sighs> and we're like, I mean, it was just terrifying. You know, enveloping us in the darkness and the water. And you also had our phones in your backpack. So I'm like, our lives are in your hands. (laughs) And I was just so worried. And it's weird. I mean, my priorities are a little askew. I'm I'm worried mostly about the phones, but not really caring about what happens to to my body. Like... Yeah, I mean, and the then that's when that, that, that that's when that lightning and thunder started to increase and get louder and brighter and oh. closer and closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just like you were just like, what is going on? Like I was at this point in this like journey and this trip, then I'm like, well, it switched to me. I was trying to remain calm. Yeah. You were trying Internally, to be like light. I was like screaming because I was like, this is getting really freaky really fast. Yeah, it was. And I, I needed some levity from you because I was having a full-blown meltdown. I was so nervous. The lightning was so close at one point that like the ground was shaking, but not as much as I was shaking because I was just like a complete, complete like terror. I was... Yeah, I just kept on trying to make, like, these, like, jokes, like, these little nervous jokes and comments that would make us feel better, but you were not having it. No, not at all. That I was just like, this is not, this is beyond the point. And this was the part of the day where I'm pretty sure, like, I was probably sobbing out of fear, but I couldn't really tell because there was just so much rain covering my entire face that, like, I couldn't tell what was tears and what was rain. Like, this is, this is where I am, like, in my life, where... <laughs> I'm just so soaked with water and oh, man. tears are all mixing with rain. It, it was terrifying. I mean, I remember creating some like videos of us walking on my phone and you were like, and it was raining and I know yeah. like I shouldn't have my phone up. I'm like, well, if it's in my backpack and getting soaked, what's the difference? Uh, but uh, we were just like quietly speed walking and with one of the towels like wrapped around you. And mm-hmm. I was just making like a bunch of like horrible commentary, which isn't helping at this point, And I was trying to be very helpful. Mm. And I think I did the opposite. <laughs> This is like a scary movie right now. I mean, like, we are literally terrified, and I am nervously laughing because this, like, storm is, like, coming in at us so fast that it literally feels like we're being chased, like, from the bad guy in Lord of the Rings, like, or something crazy like that. So if this is our last message to all of you, we love you. And Matt's really pissed because I'm doing this right now. (laughs) Oh, God. Help us all. Yeah, so I I had that towel wrapped around me because I was cold. It was windy and, like, the rain, all of it. So I I was desperate to, like, shield myself with something or anything, even though a wet towel is absolutely not going to do anything to warm me up or protect me from a lightning strike. Yeah, I mean, what I was saying, it was getting closer and closer and closer. Eventually, it got so close that and so consistent (sighs) that I, like, literally said, like, cover us with your towel. 
so I can call 911. Yeah, and I literally up. started to dial 911. Yeah, we like, curled up on the ground in this little ball, put my towel over both of us as best I could. Because so my phone screen was too wet to, like, use my thumbs. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, like, trying I to couldn't hit, even. Yeah. I was, like, trying to dry it off on my shirt, which was also soaked. And then I'm like, let's try the backpack. It's also soaked. I mean, there was, like, nothing, and it was just really difficult. Slipping but and that's sliding. That's why I was, like, phone, just yeah. slipping, yeah, and sliding. But I'm like. <sighs> it was conflicting because I remember getting into this towel, and you had your phone out, and I was, like, thinking, like, oh, my God, what are you doing? I thought you might be calling 911, and, like, part of me was just, like, terrified of that idea. I'm like, oh, God, the notion of calling 911 is just so scary and drastic. But then also I'm thinking, like, yes, we need someone. Please come save us. <laughs> like, it was that. They were just that close, and there was no, mm-hmm. no like, 17 miles of no right. that, structures. Yeah. Like, there was nothing we could hide from this lightning and no trees, no mm-hmm. nothing. It was just a lot of water. <laughs> being wet. Too much water. And, like, I remember, like, when we were walking down the beach, like, the sand was still, like, drifting over it as it was in this torrential oh, yeah. downpour. Ooh. Like, it was, like, this double eeriness where, like, there's these too waves much. of sand and heavy yeah. winds. crazy part about all this, like, this scenery, like, 15 minutes prior, like, all of this stuff, the serenity and, like, the isolation of it all was a great thing. Like, we love this. Like, how awesome. But now it was the worst part. Like, we can't be here. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, when we tried to do this, there was no service. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't even make a call. And I'm not sure, like, anyone would be able to do for us anyway. Like, maybe they could come out in a vehicle and get us quicker or anything. We were in the middle yeah. of this remote beach on an island, 45 minutes from shore, in the middle of a storm. I mean, it was just crazy. I know. Like, even if that call went through, I don't know, like, what what would they have told us to do? Just like, okay. Stay right there. Don't die. <laughs> yeah. Like, if Zeus wants to strike us down, no 911 operator can stop it, frankly. And... For me, I've, like, always had this weird thing with fire and lightning. Like, ever since my childhood home burned down in 2002, it was from a lightning strike. So I've always had this, like, lingering haunted fear that lightning and fire have been out to get me the rest of my life and finish the job. Sort of like one of those Final Destination movies where, like, (laughs) I evaded, you know, demise. I I evaded lightning demise in 2002. But then ever since, it's been looking for opportunities to take me down. And... Here we are out on Cumberland Island, and I was like, okay, this is the final showdown. This is where lightning, you know, comes back to get me. This is it. But thankfully, the rain and lightning started to slow down and stop, and we were able to keep walking, and we got off the beach. The trail wasn't too far ahead as we had been walking for a while. I was so worried because I remember I started to question. I was like, should we just turn back? Like, I don't know how far ahead the trail is. I was like, no. Are we screwed? There's like like nothing to hide back there. Not true. I know. (laughs) Oh. So I was traumatized and cold and soaking wet and just really, really wanted to get back to the ferry and back to the mainland and then ultimately into the fetal position somewhere warm. That's like all I wanted to do. 
Yeah, we, man- we managed to find that trail, and we were speed walking back through it. And I remember before we even got to the ferry mm-hmm. that, like, uh, there was some restrooms and, like, a camping site. And I have never been so happy to see a any, shelter. Any kind of shelter. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, like we go up and, like, the ground. to this water fountain, and then there's, like, these things plugged in, but nobody around, like, mm-hmm. electronics and stuff. And I'm like, somebody's electronics are, like— plugged in there's nobody around here eerie. and i'm like oh god here it is let's continue this murder mystery we're gonna yes, die i know they've already gotten killed obviously and dragged away and so like of where course, they yeah. but then like i tried to go use the restroom and then they just locked there was like a little in kid bathroom. in there or something yeah. he like opened the door i'm like who are you and then he like shut it like he like opened he it up like hey and then he shut it and i'm like uh okay well oh, at least yeah. The people are still alive <laughs> or he's <laughs> but, a ghost um, yeah i couldn't use the restroom so i had to hold that Oh, least of our worries. Yeah, so <laughs> we, able, we were able to get out of that. And then, like, the rain had mostly stopped, and we were just, like, kind of walking through the lingering, like, droplets falling off the trees and stuff. But there were some pretty deep puddles in the middle of the trail, and then, like, we were just, like, screw it. I don't even care anymore. Like, I'm wearing shoes, but like, we're just going to walk through this ankle-deep puddle. doesn't yeah, even matter. We, like, managed to catch that ferry, the one... That was bef- like two hours before yeah. we were supposed to leave, but we just caught it and we're like, we're done. Miracle. Because yeah. I was, I didn't think that was going to be a possibility. I thought like we would get back there and just have to sit around for um, like an, an additional two hours or something. But I was so relieved and we were able to like kind of dart back onto the boat just in time. And then I'll never forget it. And I kind of, now I love it. At the time I was just like shaken up. But you got this photo of me once we we're back in the ferry and my glasses are off, and I'm just staring com- completely blankly ahead with this look of, like, complete trauma and shock and motionless and frozen. I felt like um, those kids from the, the original Jurassic Park, when they're all in the helico- helicopter at the end of the movie, right after, like, narrowly escaping death from velociraptors and T-Rex and stuff. But also a nice little silver lining out of all this is you got me a customized bracelet with sand that you sneakily scooped up from that beach that we almost died on. So now I have this memory with me everywhere I go. That's so right. In this bracelet. Yeah. From Dune Jewelry, our friends so there. Good. They're so great. And yeah. yeah, I just sent them some of the sand that I scooped up and they put it in that like great lava beaded bracelet of yours. I know, yeah. I only get to it's jewelry really nice. surrounded by trauma. And, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It is a silver lining. And I, I love that bracelet. Ecology. You're listening to Parklandia. Today's episode is about Carmelin Island National Seashore in Georgia. And one of the concepts behind that is, like, this introduction of invasive species that is, like, particular to islands. Um, islands have their own special ecology, but Cumberland Island is a little too close to the mainland to exhibit many of the special ecological traits of true island species, like gigantism or dwarfism, flightlessness of birds, the absence of defense mechanisms, etc. But however, Cumberland has one thing that threatens island ecosystems worldwide, invasive species. Yes, that's right. And probably the most obvious element of Cumberland Island Wildlife is 200 feral horses, like we mentioned earlier, this, this posse. Turns out they're feral. The forebears of these horses were brought to the island possibly as early as the 1500s by the people who built the Spanish missions. But the earliest historical account of them is from 1742. 
For much of their time on the island, the horses were considered free-ranging livestock, not feral initially, which means they live in the wild without assistance from people, but come from domesticated stock. Yeah, during the Civil War, some of those horses were sold or otherwise taken off the island. But then when the Carnegies moved to Cumberland Island in the 1880s, they brought in new horses, which then interbred with the stock that was already there. Yeah, so they they were kept as livestock until the 1960s. But by 1972, when the park was established, the horses were entirely feral at that point, surviving on the island without any human support. Yeah, there was like many studies conducted since the 1980s that have suggested that the ecology of the island has been damaged by horses and pigs Mm -hmm. because they overgraze on the island, increasing their erosion and uh, destabilize sand dunes, displace native species. They disturb turtles and like shorebirds that are nesting. Uh, They degrade the water quality, and the feral pigs have even learned to root up the nests of federally protected loggerhead sea turtles, and they eat the eggs. They're basically treating Carmelan Island like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Like Not un- okay. Yeah, undeterred. But kind but, of goes into that circle of life. And I just, mean, at this you know, point, it really messes kind of, it up and it changes things. Right. So since the horses have existed in Carmelan Island for so long, and let's face it, they add to the omits of the park, because as we can attest, like we're here talking about them, the Park Service now lets them roam freely and unmanaged, although some studies have suggested the ecosystem would benefit from a 75% reduction in the herd. The wild hogs, on the other hand, are, are managed and can be hunted from October to January. Isn't it's interesting. That crazy? Yeah, right. You can go hunt some pigs on Cumberland Island. Yeah, but the beauty of wildlife in national parks is just one of those things that, like, you got to realize, like, you can introduce wrong things. There's a lot of invasive species, invasive animals, and, you know, there's good and bad to them. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, there is something we can do. Um, they are doing some of that um, for the feral pigs when they are able to be hunted from October to January. Yes. But like horses, you know, a lot of people are very protective of horses, which is understandable, sure. but we also need to take care of the island. And right. like, is it okay for them to be there or is it not? Mm-hmm. You know, they've been there for so many years. Is it their land, our, like our land or the island's land? Like, how do we do this? We don't have answers. I'm not going to come here and say that we yeah. are like trying to do anything one way or another, but we just want to understand it. So we're really excited to dig more into that during this season of Parklandia. Yeah, very true. So another popular animal that resides on the island is called the oyster catcher. An oyster catcher is a shorebird that lives in Cumberland Island year-round. They're these striking black and white birds that have bright orange, almost knife-like beaks that they use as blades to open up oysters and other bivalves by cutting the abductor muscle and pulling out the meat, which is kind of hardcore. And <laughs> Yeah, that's like, yeah. That that's a tell. lot. I mean, I can't even, like, shuck oysters to save my life yeah. with, like, Total equipment. Knockouts. Yeah, and they can just, like, pluck them out like it's no problem. Another beautiful, like, animal that's on this island are the island glass lizards. Now, we didn't get to see these on mm-hmm. our trip, but we had a lot of other, like, dramatic things happening. So we were a little really... distracted with trying to survive. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but these glass lizards are reptiles that look like snakes, but they're not. They're actually lizards. Yeah. So they're legless, which is, I didn't even know lizards came in legless form, but they're legless and they live on many of the barrier islands in Georgia, this obviously being one of them. And you can distinguish a glass lizard from a snake by looking to see if they have eyelids and large air holes in the sides of their head. Like some other lizard species, they can regenerate sections of their tails too. 
And they're called glass lizards because they seem to shatter when you try to pick them up, which is what? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's times where I'm like with my uh, nephews, um, Brock and Judah, at their place, and these are four-legged lizards, <laughs> but we're like in the backyard. Your standard and, lizard, like, yeah. You know, they try to pick them up, and I remember one time uh, Brock got one, and the tail fell off, and like Judah like started freaking out and like was really upset that this tail fell off, and yeah, then right. like we that's when we had to actually get into discussion. Like this has actually happened; so it will grow back. It's okay. We didn't break it. So if you're and coming on, keep an eye out for all this stuff. You'll probably, see, I think horses are like the, the animals you'll most likely see, which is exciting and just really different. But then also keep an eye out for oyster catchers and island glass lizards and all of it. Feral hogs, too, if you want to go hunt some pigs and make some Cumberland bacon, feel free. But like October to January only, designated time. If you make some bacon, let us know. Send it, yeah, let us know, send it to us. I do want to mention that it's really important that we do not, like, mess with wildlife. Like, I know we were talking about picking up lizards and things like that, but, like, we did not do that at this national park. We don't want to get close to feral hogs because they can kill you. I mean, there are news (laughs) reports out there in different states where, like, they have literally killed people. So you just don't want to risk your life, your safety, or anything like that. You know, the way that I would capture a... Animal in a national park is by photograph, and that's why I would definitely bring a really good quality, like, camera or a, like, GoPro in case it rains and you get washed out and you don't want to ruin everything. So this actually leads into, like, our favorite things, which um, I think for me was, like, actually being able to capture everything because it was a very dramatic park for us. And mine was, like, even though it was scary as heck, like, going down that beach, experiencing that together after we just built up this whole murder mystery idea in the background. So, like, capturing some of that because I took a lot of notes and everything like that on my phone. Audio notes to physical notes and that. So, I definitely remember to bring my phone. My favorite. Yeah, totally. So, I think my favorite thing about Cumberland Island is... Pretty simple. I think it's just that I lived through it and uh, um, <laughs> had this really wild, bizarre, terrifying experience that I'm able to talk about. <laughs> and looking back, it's true. It is one of those things where, like, yeah, in the moment, it was very unsettling, to say the least. But, like, what what a memory and, like, what a crazy day. And we're able to share our experience at this national park site from that unique you know, perspective. Um, it's just one day like, of uh, 365, gosh. and so there's 364 more days that you can go and explore yeah. it and not die. I'm sure it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't get gonna be a day. great thing to go back to. And I think there's a lot of things that I would bring, but definitely like rain gear because when you're off the coast, there's a lot of like little tropical storms that come through. Like they're not big, they're not you know, huge storms. You're gonna survive through it, but you don't want everything soaked. So make sure you feel like you're waterproofing gear and your raincoats and don't bring a laptop because you just don't (laughs) need it and don't be stupid like I was. Mm -hmm. This isn't Starbucks. You don't need your laptop. Um, The three things that I would suggest bringing to Cumberland Island, I think either bring a bathing suit or just like wear it there. I think you and I both just like wore our bathing suits there. Yeah. So we didn't have to change while we were on the island, although that is an option. There are changing rooms and restrooms and, and so forth. But you're going to want to swim. Like, that was up until, like, the storm, like, 
came through. Swimming was so much fun, and the beach was oh, great. So beautiful. And you, I can only assume Perfect. and imagine, like on a sunny, pristine day, it would be, you know, absolute bliss. And so do that, and then all the stuff that goes with that, like beach towel, sunscreen, all that stuff. And then we also have, um, like, some goggles and like snorkel equipment. I'm not sure the snorkeling would be ideal because it's obviously waves and kicking up sand and stuff so you won't be able to see much but you know if you want to have goggles which i like to have goggles because like i like to open my eyes and if it's colder you want a wetsuit because you still want to go swim but you know bring your wetsuit some sort of swimming attire and then i would also suggest bringing like a some sort of like satellite phone (laughs) because you like worst case scenario you need if you need to call 911 which we didn't do that like on our own you know we didn't just come up with that idea like while we're on the mainland the park rangers told us to do that like if you're in a tricky situation or the weather gets scary call 911 so we're like okay good advice that would it would be helpful if there was service but yeah and there would have been but the clouds are so dark that they like covered up oh. everything like it just got really dark it's yeah, like we were, mordor surrounding you was. in the lord of the rings like it was just it was that eerie and crazy yeah it definitely was and then also pack this is like such a beautiful place to have some sort of picnic or like pack a lunch it can be as light or as hearty as you want we brought sandwiches and snacks and chips and like um beef jerky on the ferry but whatever and the beach would be ideal for that too because it's it's just so lovely and spacious and like we said you have 17 miles of uninterrupted purely natural beach with like no lifeguards no buildings, no construction of any sort, and it just is wonderful and would be a really lovely place to kick back and relax with, like, a PB&J or something. Yeah, or and make sure to bring Maybe out, you're an adult like, a, make a little grocery bag, bring it with you, so that way you can pack out your trash, because of there's not places to, like, throw it away there. Yeah. Like, you need to pack out your own trash, because they don't really have that. Yeah, for sure. But all in all, Cumberland Island was this wild adventure. It was this saga for sure. I mean, it makes for one hell of a story. It really did. And I'm just so glad that we're, we lived through it and we're able to talk about it and share with you our epic, crazy, wild adventure on Cumberland Island. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of season two of Parklandia. We have so much in store from you that is different from season one that we're going into. Um, Matt and I are going to have our own mini series um, and bonus episodes, and we're going to talk about boondocking. We're going to talk about the essentials. We're talking about buying an RV for the first time and finding the one that's right for you. Um, my mini series will be boondocking with Brad, and then we have Matt's, which is going to be traveling eats with Matt. And what are you going to be talking about? Yeah, so while we're traveling the country in the RV, we spend a lot of time in like in cities and towns and areas where they have these robust food scenes and food culture. And I'm excited to dig a little bit more into that and highlight these places, whether it's a, a city known for certain cuisine or it's like a region. And we'll be able to like explore more of that which I'm so excited about because that's always like one of our favorite things to do when we're traveling and we have a few extra days and we're like let's go here and like go to all these iconic restaurants or iconic bars or whatever just get a taste of local flavor from across the country there's a lot out there absolutely and then speaking of like exploring we're not the only people that explore national parks 
we're going to have interviews on. We're going to have the National Park Patch Lady on, and she's going to talk about her love for national parks. We're going to have uh, Tim Burton of Burton's Maplewood Farm coming on and talking about beginning our journey and how we've traveled together to national parks while on the Maple Trail. There's so much in store here in season two, so please stay tuned. And as always, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Parklandia, a show about national parks. Parklandia is a production of iHeartRadio. Created by Matt Kerouac, Brad Kerouac, and Christopher Haziotis. Produced and edited by Mike Johns. Our executive producer is Christopher Haziotis. Our researcher is Jesslyn Shields. A special thanks goes out to Gabrielle Collins, Crystal Waters, and the rest of the Parklandia crew. And hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. You can keep up with us on social media as well. Check out our photos from our travels on Instagram at Parklandia Pod and join in on the conversation in our Facebook group, Parklandia Rangers. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And as always, thank you for listening. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.